Psalm 101, a psalm of David. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. O when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He, he who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord." Well, it was about 13 years ago, actually almost to the week, um, that we we had a lot going on in our fairly young family. Um, Tisra had been Tisra had been struggling with uh, some some pain for a, a couple months, and had finally gotten to the point, along with some other symptoms, that uh, she she knew she needed to see the doctor. And so, many of you know these things. Um, Many of you may not, and so I wanted to maybe share just enough detail to give the context. Um, so she went to see the family doctor that week, and he correctly suspected a chronic disease was uh, at play, but had to refer us to, to others for testing and a process that took some time, other specialists and who also referred us to other people. Um, and that same Sunday that she had that first doctor appointment, I began serving as an elder here. Uh, that same weekend. We had a three-year-old and a six-month-old at the time, and over the course of the next 60 days or so, her condition grew worse as they were uh, working to figure out, you know, an actual diagnosis uh, by the right people and the right uh, treatment to put in place. But because of that, it was uncontrolled, and she um, really deteriorated to the point that she couldn't, she couldn't walk without help. Uh, she couldn't, she was in pain almost all the time. Um, I remember she would asked me to get her some food or something. She'd wake up. She'd sleep a lot, probably 20 hours a day maybe, just off and on. But um, she would ask me to get some food, and she'd fall back to sleep for 45 seconds, you know, and she'd wake up and say, how come you haven't brought this food yet? You know, I haven't even left the room yet. So there's just uh, a lot of difficult um, stress for her as well that she wasn't even aware sometimes of, of all that was happening to her. Um, and finally landed in the hospital for a week, and uh, they could, you know, that kind of fast-tracks things because now all the testing can occur that needs to happen. All the specialists come in that need to come in, and it just kind of worked out that way. Um, at my work at the time, we were in the beginning, early stages of a large uh, multi-year project that I was to be the, the project manager for. And I recall being in my boss's office just discussing uh, the project, and he stopped at one point. Um, and he asked me, he just said, you got this, right? Sorry to get emotional. Um, and that may sound like an insensitive question. You know, you got this, right? That's how he asked it. Um, but just five months earlier, he had lost his wife to cancer. So I do, I do. He wasn't. Uh, excuse. 
He wasn't being insensitive. He was being compassionate. Um, but it kind of hit me in the stomach that, you know, he could see that I was distracted, um, you know, that I wasn't uh, focused, organized, you know, as responsive as he knew it could be. And he knew that it would be necessary to be those things that I typically would have been uh, to do what was next. Um, and again, I'm just giving you context of the things that were going on for us at the time. And I look on that time, though, and I, I see uh, so many aspects of certainly my own growth, um, and I think ours as a, as a family, um, but certainly mine as a Christian, a lot of growth was occurring during those times. And some of it maybe there was awareness of at the time, but some of it, it wasn't until later I realized how I was growing and how we were growing during that time. Um, so mixed in with simply trying to survive, there were questions of our own, introspection, evaluation of our own lives, of what was going on of the Lord and our relationship with him. Like, what, what are you uh, wanting to do here, Lord? What are you, why, why are these things happening? I think these are, are um, expected questions. But also there was strength from the Lord that we experienced, um, a renewed and and a, a renewed uh, focus on him to be able to do what we needed to do, just a complete dependence right you you reach a point in those trials that you you find you have to completely depend on the Lord um, and a renewed focus to be changed to be uh, the child of God I should be to be the husband I should be to be the father I should be um, the employee and in the Lord's service. So many of us will experience or have experienced some some trial, some tragedy, some difficulty in our lives. And in some situations, um, you know, it's simply a trial that the Lord allows for for our testing, our our growth, our patience, the gaining of patience as we read in James. We consider it all joy because of that testing and the patience which is produced from it. Sometimes it's brought on by sin, perhaps the sin of others or even our own sin. But I think the the point here is that we would want to, regardless of the source, we would want to gain what the Lord wants us to gain from it and to grow through it. And I give that example in, in our own lives, my own life, um, because really what we see here in Psalm 101 is David's reaction to one of those difficult times, like one of those times that hits you in the stomach that you can't miss. And you begin asking these questions and looking to what the Lord is doing and how we ought to change because of it. So uh, I think that some context for, for this psalm in terms of what David was experiencing is important too. Um, he expresses some pretty serious and intense thoughts. Uh, I, can, I can tell you, uh, gratefully, I didn't um, think to myself, I'm going to destroy some people right now. You know, that's kind of what David's response is in some of this. Um, and by the way, I want to also say thank you to those who helped us at that time. And um, I apologize if we weren't very connected with what was happening, but we're grateful for your service to us. Uh, during our tragedy, our, our difficulty at that time, our trial. But David here um, expresses from pr- some pretty serious thoughts. 
And we should look at the context of, of what's happening here. Um, I'll give you some references. Probably not going to be able to you know, turn to all of them, but we'll try to paint the picture here a little bit. But this psalm seems to be set at the time that was early in David's reign as king. He had just become king. Remember, Saul was uh, removed by the Lord, and now David has been brought in to be the king of Israel. And it was the time that he was seeking to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, which should beg a very important question. Why was it not there, right? And so we'll walk through some of that uh, as quickly as I can here. But uh, we we would start back in um, perhaps 1 Samuel 2, 1 Samuel 2, and you can, you can start in about verse 12. But there we read of the sons of Eli. Eli was the priest, and his sons were wicked. They were corrupt. They did not know the Lord, the Word of God says. And so, and yet they were there as uh, responsible for uh, the, priest, the priesthood um, and the activities, the offerings that would occur. They oversaw that. And they demanded different ways of offering to the Lord that were designed to serve them first and not the Lord. And you can imagine um, how the Lord viewed this. And it all had consequences, uh, certainly on Eli and his house, but also um, very serious was the fact that this caused men to abhor offering to the Lord. People that would be coming to offer to the Lord, they began to abhor that. You can see also how that would be displeasing, very displeasing to the Lord. And so the sin of these young men, it says, was very great before the Lord. So the Lord spoke to Samuel. Remember, he brought Samuel along, Hannah's child, and spoke to Samuel of the judgment on Eli and his house because of this sin of of his sons and also because Eli didn't restrain them. He didn't keep these things from happening. So in 1 Samuel 4, Israel battles the Philistines, and unlike many of their previous battles, they they lost. They lost to the Philistines, and they were defeated. So they begin to ask those questions, but they unfortunately did not uh, look inwardly enough. They were asking, why did this happen? How did this happen? And they had a solution they would take the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle. And so they took the Ark uh, to the camp of Israel, and right there in the middle of it was the sons of Eli. Um, I don't know whose idea it was, but they certainly uh, didn't object. And, you know, to the flesh, maybe you could see how that would be a, a reasonable solution, but to the spiritual, of course not. Um. So they decided to bring the ark into the the battle to save them from their enemies, they thought. And they brought it to the ark, or to the camp of Israel, and the earth shook. And the Philistines, when they they learned why, they were afraid. And if only there had been more fear among the people of Israel of the Lord. But the Philistines were the ones that were afraid. Now, I'm not going to maybe give them the benefit of the doubt that they were fearing the Lord himself, but they were afraid. And I think there is some indication that it was fear of of the the God of Israel. Um, 
So they fought. Uh, Israel was once again defeated. And worse than that, the Philistines captured the ark and took it. Um, so this is, this is kind of all leading up to, to where David is in Psalm 101. So now the Philistines have it, and having it didn't go well for them. One of my favorite parts of Scripture, I don't know why, it's just very intriguing to, to read of uh, the, the disruption among the Philistines simply because the ark is there. But they decided to play a game of hot potato with it because it was going so poorly and passed it around to different places within the, in, um, among the Philistines and ultimately decided just to send the ark back to the people of Israel on a cart with a couple of milk cows, you know, just good riddance. Get, send it on back because it's causing too much trouble for us. And so that happened near Beth Shemesh, which was in Israel. And in 1 Samuel 6, the men of Beth Shemesh looked into the ark of the Lord, and the Lord struck 50,070 men because they looked inside of the ark. And you remember, um, you remember what the ark was. I mean, the ark was to be in the holy, holiest of holies. Only the priests could go in, and that once a year. The, the presence of God was above the, the mercy seat. Inside of it were reminders, the, the manna, uh, Aaron's rod that budded, and I'm drawing a blank on the third, um, oh, the, the tablets, or the, from the, the Ten Commandments, or the, the law that Moses uh, received. So they were inside to be a reminder, both of the failure of the people of Israel, but also the work of God, the provision of God and uh, his mighty work and, and, and um, those things. So, so that, that's really where the ark should have been, right? Bringing that kind of a, um, a, a picture and having the presence of the Lord. So for them to just, uh, without regard for all of that, uh, look in it, 50,070 were struck down. And they say, who is, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? It's a good question to ask at that point. So they call those from uh, Kirjath-Jerim uh, to come retrieve it, and they took it to Abinadab, and they consecrated Eliezer to keep it there. And there it remained for 20 years, which brings us finally up to where we are uh, in Psalm 101. Um, and so David asks some questions actually in, in uh, 1 Samuel. He asks the question, how shall the ark of the Lord come unto me? And um, if we jump back to that, so let's look at 1 Samuel. Actually, it might be, it might be 2 Samuel. So in 2 Samuel 6, this is where we really see David, you know, it's 20 years later, David's trying to bring the ark back. Um, so in 2 Samuel 6, in verse 2, we can start there. Um, well, in verse 1, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him uh, from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. And that's just a different name uh, for Kirath. Um, that was a different name for that same area, that same town. 
So in verse uh, 3, they set the ark of God on a new cart. Now remember what we talked about. The Philistines put the ark on a cart, sent it with two milk cows. Uh, this was the, um, you know, the, the pagan worshipers, right? They worshipped false gods. This was their idea. And here, um, David takes a similar approach. The ark was to be carried by the, the, um, the priest in the, the line of, of Levi, by hand. And so here, they set it on a cart, just like the Philistines had, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, and, and um, it was on a hill. And so they drove the, the cart. Um, so if we jump down to verse 6, it says, When they came to um, Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah, Uzzah, I'm not trying to pronounce his name, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it because the oxen had stumbled. It was beginning to tip, perhaps. And he put his hand out. And in the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. So David became uh, angry, it says, because of the, of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So that's where we were picking that up. So uh, he wouldn't move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But they took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, and the ark remained there. So it seems to be that at this juncture is when we can see the insights that Psalm 101 brings us about what's happening uh, for David here. So back in Psalm 101, we see a similar question. He says, oh, when will you come to me? When will you come to me? So David is, is stepping back and seeing what is the Lord doing here? Where is he uh, before the Lord in all this? Because, because clearly something went wrong. Get caught up here in my notes. Um, Okay, so it was through the wrong way that the ark had even landed where it was. It was through unrighteousness. And for it to return to, to Jerusalem, it had to be the right way. Clearly, um, holy God is, is requiring this of them, not to take these things lightly. And so David step, takes a step back, as it were, and considers his ways, his relationship to the Lord, his behavior his actions. And there are other examples of this in the Bible. Um, and I want to, again, highlight here, as we talked about earlier, sometimes it's our own doing. Sometimes it's simply a trial the Lord is allowing. Um, you know, who caused this man to be born blind? Or, you know, why, why is this man born blind? The Lord clearly pointed out um, it was not because of, of sin in that case. But, the point is uh, that I want to make this morning is regardless of what the situation that caused it, we can have the same response of stepping back and looking at what, what do we, how do we need to grow through this? What do we need to learn from this? What is the Lord uh, wanting us? How is he wanting us to be changed that we could be uh, drawn closer to him? 
and more like his son. So other examples of this, excuse me, uh, Job. You know, Job was one whose friends questioned, you know, what sin have you done for this to be to happen? But it was the Lord himself that said, have you considered my servant Job? You know, when the enemy was seeking him out, uh, seeking out one that would uh, blaspheme or, or turn against God, God, in a, in a vote of confidence, as it were, asks, have you considered my servant Job? On the other, other hand, Peter, you know, he, he uh, first meets Jesus and he doubts, you know, the, the casting of the net on the other side. And when the net is cast and they get all these fish, Peter doesn't jump up and grab the net and try to settle things. He, he gets on his knees. And he says, woe is me. Um, he falls down and confesses. So whatever the source, stopping and realizing. And I think, um, I think when Steve Price was, was sharing about the fear of the Lord, he mentioned that the fear of the Lord is the key to instruction, right? So we want to have that recognition of the holiness of God and what he would want uh, through us and from us as followers of him. So we would want to consider the instruction that comes. And so that's what David does here. And I just want to spend uh, the rest of our time, um, it's fairly high level, but pointing out uh, some uh, the things that he goes to, the things that he considers. And there are really two broad categories. First of all is integrity, to use one word. Um, he considers his integrity, an inward consideration, looking inward. And then secondly, influence, and that is more of an outward consideration. I've always thought of integrity as what you do when nobody's watching, uh, or maybe I've heard that said that way. It's you know, what you do when nobody's watching. In other words, nobody's there to enforce. Nobody's there for you to impress or make sure that they see what you're doing, but you do the right thing because... It's the right thing to do before the Lord. That's the idea of integrity. So in our heart of hearts, um, how, what would we do before him and him alone? And so if we would promote integrity in us um, or around us, I should say, we must first cultivate it within us. And that's where David starts. So he begins with his heart and his home, as it were, um, as he begins here in Psalm 101. Uh, Caleb, who's two years old, um, we had some travels returning back from um, Colorado. And, you know, if you've driven eastern Colorado, western Kansas, you know that's a long drive, especially for a two-year-old in a car seat that he doesn't feel comfortable in, really, doesn't like. And we, you know, you can you can drive four hours in eastern Colorado, western Kansas stop, look around, and feel like you haven't moved at all. It's just that's the way it is out there. And for a two-year-old, it's even worse because he doesn't even understand the concept of we're almost there or, you know, you can't give him that. But we were about an hour away from home, and he, um, we got out for a restroom break. I let him walk around, and I was telling him, you know, we're almost home. You know, an hour is not that bad. It's like driving to grandmother's house, right? He doesn't get that at all. I said, we're, we're getting close to home. We'll be there soon. You know, where you sleep and all these things. I'm trying to really make him feel, like, different about it. 
And he said, and he has this little Tykes tractor that he rides around on. And he said, where my tractor is? Yes, home is where your tractor is. Home is where your tractor is. So you've heard the expression, home is where the heart is. Well, um, for some people, home is where the tractor is. But the point is, David first looks at what's close. In his own heart, um, considering what's in his home, what's closest to him, and evaluating first uh, those things that the Lord would be teaching him here. And what's in a, what a man is in his heart, what we are in our hearts, is what always matters. Um, that is very important to the Lord. Uh, our hearts for him and who we really are because of him in our hearts. And so things could not be pure in, in the king's court if he wasn't first pure himself. And so he considers first his inward integrity, uh, that, that, would he, that he would think or desire. What would he walk in, whether someone was there to tell him or not? And so he uses this expression, I will. What are those things that he would desire? I will. And he starts with singing of mercy and justice, recognizing where he stood before the Lord, recognizing the work of the Lord, that through that all, the Lord was faithful and merciful and right. His judgments are true. That is a great place to start. In fact, we're running out of time anyway, but if that's all you take from that part, that's a great place to start. Recognizing who the Lord is, what he has done, and singing praises to him. He says, I will sing praises. So I will sing of mercy and justice. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely. He recognized that, yes, his actions do matter. What he does does matter before the Lord. And he would walk with him with a perfect heart. And so he mentions that as well. He said he would set nothing wicked before his eyes. He would not let the work of those who fall cling to him. Not that he wouldn't be near it all, at all, or that it wouldn't happen, but he wouldn't let it cling to him. He would not know wickedness. A perverse heart shall depart from me. So he starts with uh, his very own heart. And we would, be, we would do well to challenge ourselves with this as well. What are we setting before our eyes? What is it that we desire? You know, that when no one else is there to tell us, what is it that we desire? Is it the Lord? What are we allowing to cling to us? And what is our heart, what is our walk reflecting of our heart? And as Nick shared last week, um, th- that connection to our faith, the, the work that is seen uh, in us. So David looks inwardly to examine himself before the Lord, before the Holy One, and starts there. And then he moves to uh, the outward consideration. Uh, the idea of influence. He examines not his his heart and his home now, but now his city and his court and what's happening there. These areas of influence that he has influence on, but also those that would influence him. He knew that he was not alone. It was not only his his life, but also others that he would be around and those who would be around him. So, he examines this, and, and negatively, he considers those, he says, whoever uh, slanders their neighbor, has a haughty look and a proud heart, works deceit, tells lies. He wants to separate himself from these things and separate those from him, from his city, from his court. 
And so it uses language like destroy and not endure, not dwell, not get comfortable, uh, not continue, cut off. Very strong language. That's where that strong language comes in because he recognizes this is what he has influence over and this is what can influence him. And then positively, he says, whoever is faithful in the land, whoever walks in a perfect way, again, recognizing that that is important uh, to the Lord, that we would walk in his ways. And so positively, whoever would do these things would dwell with him, would serve him. And so that which he could uh, influence outwardly and the things that could potentially influence him, he takes close examination of those things. Uh, Tobias has been learning to drive for some time now, and um, he's becoming an expert, which is great. It's nice to have another driver in the home. Um, one of the times that we went out driving to practice, I took him to an area, the area that I grew up, which was a, a rural area, gravel roads, you know, no traffic, very easy to get some practice out there. And I was reminded of something I think I've shared before, but um, in those areas where it's mostly gravel roads, when you drive, there's just a cloud of dust behind the car, right? Unless it has just rained, but it's just a cloud of dust otherwise. And um, we grew up on a road like that, and over time, that dust builds up on the plants. And so when you drive through there after it's been dry for a while, the, the leaves are not green. They're brown. Because over time, that dirt and that dust has built up um, Seemingly unnoticed at the time, but it builds up. And so I think this is what comes to my mind as I think about what David is doing here, what he can influence and also what can influence him that he gives consideration to. Are we drawing close to those things which would influence us to walk in a wicked way that would wear on us the more they influence us? And so David recognizes here uh, that to maintain his integrity, he had to also carefully consider those incoming influences. So he's going to separate himself from the slanderers, the proud, the deceiving, and the liars. And notice here, look in verse um, 8. He says, Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land. And studying that, that comes up with it the idea of morning by morning. You, you remember in Lamentations, it says the Lord's mercies are new every morning. There's a freshness to that. And so just as a gardener would often need to be weeding and removing those, those weeds, uh, he recognized that this was important to do on a regular basis for us to be considering before the Lord these things. And I think that's a, a point I want to also um, share here, is that it doesn't take tragedy, it doesn't take trial. The Lord would uh, call on us to daily be considering our hearts before him and these areas of influence on us and that we can influence. So it's not enough, though, to um, just remove, right, that which is bad, but he wants to replace that with those who are faithful, replace that with those who are blameless, those who walk in a perfect way. That, that's who he wants to fill his court with and watch for and look for and have dwelling with him and serving uh, with him. So there are absolutely going to be tests to our faith, uh, difficult things we go through, things that we experience or even perhaps bring on ourselves, but we want to grow in these things. But then also be 
constantly looking to the Lord. What, what is it that you're uh, wanting to change in me, Lord? Not setting things before our eyes uh, that are wicked. Not knowing wickedness, but rather renewing our minds and evaluating these things in our lives. Um, I grew up in a home of three older siblings. And this, this thought of evaluating often rather than waiting for trial or tragedy comes to mind. Because we had the distinct advantage being so much younger, my younger brother and I, that we could see the mistakes they made and be like, I don't want to go down that road, right? So we ought to learn from each other, certainly, if we've gone through uh, some difficult challenges. I needed to be changed um, as, a, as a husband and as a father. And that was one thing the Lord worked in me at that time in our, our difficult time. But we uh, also can learn from others in Scripture. We, we read of the David himself. I mean, we, if we go on, we're going to find there are many lessons we could learn from his life. So learn from David. Uh, draw close to the Lord and the things that would promote a perfect heart and remove the things that would influence us. So that's just what I, I want to close with is, you know, gaining those lessons doesn't have to be in the moment of trial and tragedy only, but we would daily be uh, looking to the Lord to grow us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your uh, patience with us. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we live in a, a very different time than David did, um, but nonetheless, Lord, it, it, um, you have worked even in our age in these ways where you, uh, there's a, if there's a denial of the holiness of God, Lord, you will work. Or we want to be people that are ready to receive instruction because we love you, we, we fear you uh, in uh, the way that we should, and we love you. Or we do want to sing of your mercies and your justice, recognizing uh, both of those sides, that you've been merciful towards us, and when we deserved far uh, worse, uh, you have uh, not allowed it. And also your justice, that you are right, you are holy, and your ways uh, beyond um, questioning. So, Lord, as we would walk with, with you, uh, we pray that you would bring us to your Son more and more, that we would see that mercy and that justice that was played out on the cross uh, on our behalf through him and that we would sing praises to you, and that we would desire these things uh, that, that David desires, that our hearts would be in a perfect way, and that we would seek to be influenced and influenced in the ways that are perfect as well. Father, we just thank you for your Son and the work that you do in us to sanctify us, to bring that growth, to change us. Uh, Lord, it takes the weight off of our shoulders to realize that it's by faith in you that we walk as well. And so we just ask for your strength in this. In Jesus' name, amen.